And so we're going to open God's word together. Go to James chapter 5. James 5. It's good to see everybody. Is it good to see me? Come on, give me something. Give me something. Don't leave me hanging. James chapter 5. The Bible is the word of God. And I really believe that Jesus and the word are the same, honestly. And so uh, it's nothing wrong with worshiping the Bible. Now, I don't worship the pages of the Bible, but I worship the one who spoke it. And so I, I love Scripture. I love the Bible. We love it here at Harvest Reading. Let me show you a picture as we get into uh, what we're going to talk about today. This is a blast from the past. Can we throw that up there? There we go. There we go. Okay. I don't know who they are, but... Um, so, uh, so what's the baggage there? What's the baggage? We're talking about baggage, and so we see... Uh, yeah, we, yeah, we're looking at... I knew I opened myself up for that. Yeah, so that's the Magnum P.I. Um, look there. That's the baggage we're talking about. Of course, Lisa has the Farrah Fawcett hair lookalike. Some are like, who's Farrah Fawcett, right? Not the guys. Come on now, come on. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there's some baggage here. It's, um, it's Ultimate Shyness by Samsonite. That's what I was carrying right there in that picture. You wouldn't know it by that picture, but I had an extreme form of, of shyness. Isn't that true, babes? And so uh, I'm carrying some serious baggage. Um, and, and sometimes we're going to carry baggage, and we're going to have baggage in our life. It's not really going to look like it because we like to fake it to make it. And so uh, what we're trying to do in this series is try to open up. We're trying to get to the place of vulnerability and transparency and, and really get to that place that God is going to do some healing. And I really believe by the end of the service, we're going to have some people unpacking some bags and so we're going to have six stations of prayer people. There are couples that I've asked to be stationed all around the worship center here. And at the end of the service, we're going to call the people of God who want prayer to be prayed over and for. And so I'm going to encourage you to be a part of that because I really believe that God is going to do some unpacking of some bags. Now, now here, here's the thing. When we get off an airplane, I want you to go with me in your mind and your imagination. We get off an airplane together and we go to the carousel. That's where... The baggage gets, it's on the plane, it gets off the plane, they take it, put it on a cart, bring it into the building, and then they put it on a carousel, and the carousel is going around in circles. And what do we usually do, right? If you've ever traveled much, what do you usually try to do? You position yourself to claim your baggage. Is that not so? Have you ever seen how intense and how intentional some people are about claiming their bags? I mean, don't they go up right to the, and they're just kind of moving in, and they're trying to get like, I mean, we're all like that. You know, you want to get right up to the edge, and of course, if you see your bag right there, then you're going for it. And so there's no hesitation about that. You look for the label, you look for the style, look for the size. Hey, there's my bag, I'm going to claim it. And so you're going to go right up to that carousel and do what you got to do to claim your baggage. But that is not the case when it comes to the baggage that we're talking about. We are not in that intentional, we're not that enthused to go up and claim the baggage that we're carrying. Is that true or not? For an illustration there. So we've looked at claiming our baggage. That was message number one. If you haven't heard it, please go online and you'll be able to listen. It's not quite the same online. People have said, so what are you doing there? I've listened to it online, but I'm not quite sure the heavy breathing and all the different, and they get all these kind of crazy thoughts. What's going on in church? And so you're, you're going to have to be in person. It's important to be in person and don't rely so much on the website messages because you're going to miss a lot. Martin Lloyd-Jones used to say when they recorded him, he didn't like having his preaching recorded. This is back in the 1950s and 60s when they started to do that. 
he goes, I didn't like having myself recorded because preaching is much more than a vocal voice coming through a cassette tape. Back in those days, it was cassette tape. Because there, there's gesture. There's me looking at you face to face. There's, of course, the props that I use and the visuals and the pictures on the screen. There's so much more that goes on. That's why it's important to be in the place of God, the house of God, to listen to the preaching of the word of God. And if you can't make it because of an emergency or something, I can see it going online. So number one was claiming your bags. Message number two in this three-part series was carrying your baggage. Now we're going to finish this, unpacking your baggage. That's the title of the message. James chapter 5, I want to look at verses 13 down to verse 18. Now I'm going to read these if you would follow along with me. In fact, how about we read these out loud? This is going to be like a concert of reading out loud. It may seem chaotic for those who are hyper-organized, and it might seem kind of messy. But uh, I think it's important to do it. Let's try it out loud. Are you ready? I'm going from James chapter 5, verse 13 down to verse 18. Let's begin. Verse 13. Uh-oh, I'm getting a little bit of a, a little Hollywood makeover. All right, out loud. Here we go. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Thank you, brother. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. A little bit louder. Here we go, 15. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Father, we pray in Jesus' mighty name that the word of God would be so precious to us. Holy Spirit, you're the one that wrote this. You wrote this. It's supernatural. But we need you, Holy Spirit, to open our eyes. We pray against any flesh, any attacks of the enemy, any demonic distractions. God, we pray that you would just set our eyes on you through the word of God. Help us to finish strong here. Help us to finish strong. God, help us. We have some bags that we've been carrying for a long time. Help us to unpack these. In Jesus' mighty name, God's people say, amen. Amen. All right, let me ask you a question. So you've traveled, you've gotten home, you have your, your bags are packed. And so you come into the house, what do you do with your baggage? What do you do? Do you, do you set it down? What we typically do is we'll bring it in the house and we'll just set it on the bed and it might sit there for maybe an hour or two. Uh, And so what do you do with your bags? Do you unpack them right away or do you wait? Well, you wouldn't think of putting that bag, I, I would imagine, inside of your closet for another year. Hey, we're just going to Disney next year. We might as well just keep it in the closet until next year. We don't have to pack. Just go to the closet, pull out the bag. Nobody would do that, I don't think. I, maybe there would be. I don't know, <laughs> based on the response. And so, but this is what I'm talking about. It's like we have baggage that we need to unpack. You would not keep that baggage in there with all of the stinky clothes and all of the different things. You would want to take care of that. And you would separate the good clothes, clean clothes from the dirty clothes, put the dirty clothes in the washing machine. So I want you to think with me about unpacking baggage. Now, let me ask you a question because we've been pretty forthright in all of this, right? And I know it makes people uncomfortable. Uh, But I promise you, if you will follow along with me on the journey uh, of being transparent and vulnerable and and being courageous, you will grow twice the speed. You will grow twice the speed. If you push back and, and you walk in fear and you walk with your bags because you've been so comfortable with them or familiar with them for such a long time, 
then I promise you, you will not grow properly as a Christian. It just will not happen. So come with me. Come with me. Would you, would you do that? Trust the Lord that he has, he has done great things in all of our lives, and he has established this so that we can walk with freedom and freely and lighter than we have ever. Would anybody like to travel through life lighter? Amen? Would anybody like that? We all want to. But when we look at baggage and when we dig into our baggage, it can be incredibly frightening. Would anybody agree with that? Raise your hand. Let's be vulnerable. Looking at your baggage, is it kind of scary? Would it be scary? It would be. You never know what's inside the baggage, right? And so when you start to dig inside, you just don't know what you're going to find. You got your divorce papers. You got to go back in time. You got to see how that packed your bags. You got to feel that, me, that emotion of abandonment. You got to sort through all of that. You're inside, you're looking around. It's, it's, never know what you're going to find. How about an old moldy sandwich? Yeah. Something that you left there and it just got real stale, started to stink. Should have been addressed a long time ago, but you didn't. And so you kept it in there. How about loss? How about you went through something? It was painful, excruciating. You're saying, no, no. Don't do that. Don't do that. Open it up. Go inside. I know pain. (laughs) I know suffering. I know loss. The bags that were packed from that, immense. How about you got your Dear John letter? Had a relationship with someone that you really thought was just going to be the God one. And you came home and there's this little note. Yeah, I just can't, can't do it with you anymore. Uh, you know, you're not the one. Don't care anymore. How about you were, got the pink slip? Right? Lost your job. Maybe you were fired. Maybe you're just laid off. And you had hard time finding, and, and you feel like a failure, right? You've walked with that baggage. You feel like a failure for a long time. Dig in, dig in. Maybe you were in a car accident, and it so affected your life, maybe even physically, that packed some bags for you. Approach the baggage, God, by your spirit, by your anointing. By your power, I know that you're in me. I know that you're doing great things in me. I'm not going to take this. I'm not going to put it into a closet. I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to put it off to the side. I'm going to go right into it, Lord, by your, your love, your power, and your anointing. I'm going to go right inside. Would you commit to doing that? Watch what happens in your life. If you do this, there's not much more I can do for you. And there might not be much more that God can do for you. He's already given you the resources, the power, and the strength to be able to look inside the baggage. Now it's up to us to unzip it, to sort through it, to dig through it, as hard as it may be, and to unpack it. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at the text of Scripture. There are five truths here. If you have your hand out, you're going to see the answers even before I give them. And so I want these to resonate with you. What do you do? How do you unpack baggage? Here's number one. What is it? You got it right in front of you. What do you do? Yeah, you pray. Look at the text. Take your eyes to the Bible. 
James, the author of the letter, it's a tremendous letter written to Christians that are suffering. They're being persecuted for their faith. And he says to them, is anyone among you, what's the word there? Suffering. And then let, let him do what? Pray. So if you're suffering, you pray. If you're suffering, you're praying. If you're under affliction, we would call that going through the traumas, the trials, the difficulties of life. This is the suffering. It says in chapter 1, verse 2, that the people of God, the Jewish people of God, were suffering because of persecution. They were dispersed. It's called the diaspora, the dispersion. And they were suffering as a result of what was happening against them. They were being sinned against. Now listen, if you've ever been sinned against, you're going to know what I'm talking about, the severity of all of that. Now, if you make your own choice and you sin and your life train wrecks and you derail, that's a whole different kind of suffering. But this kind of suffering is the suffering where somebody has sinned against you, like if you were abused as a child. That is not your fault. Somebody sinned against you, but yet baggage is being packed. So here we have this group, not sure how many of the group that James is addressing here, but they were being persecuted. They were being sinned against. They were dispersed. Uh, they were separated from places of familiarity, and they had lost their employment. They got pink slips, so to speak. They lost their homes. In some ways, they lost their families. And so this immense difficulty was coming upon them, and it's resulting in suffering. But when you're going through what they're going through, then baggage is going to be packed, like fears and insecurity. And when you go through things like that, you're going to want to try to control your life and hold on to your life. This is the baggage that I'm talking about. These are the things that we start to carry in our life, and we have to get to the place of unpacking them, whatever they may be. And so here we have this group of people. They're wonderful people. They love the Lord Jesus. They're converted. They're born-again believers, but yet they're going through these afflictions. And James the Apostle says that you need to pray. It sounds simplistic, but listen, this is why prayer is mentioned at the front end of the of the list that we're going to look at, because when you pray, you're asking God to come and be involved in the process. You're saying, God, I can't do this on my own. It's way beyond me. So I'm asking you to show up. I'm asking you to come and help me to do what only you can help me to do. I can't do this on my own. I, I don't have the strength to do this. I'm terrified. I need courage. I need to have the boldness to be able to look at my baggage and unpack it. You're praying. You're turning to the Lord. You're asking for his intervention. You're asking for him to show up and do what only he can do. Now watch this, because this is important. Often we're praying that our circumstances will change. Isn't that true? When you ask for somebody to pray for you, what are you asking for typically, and, and for the most part, for your circumstances to, to be changed? But listen, that's not the objective of prayer. Did you know the objective of prayer is for you to be changed? Did you know that's what happens when you pray? When you're wrestling it out with God, who's changing? It's not God. God doesn't have to change. It's you that is changing, and that's so beautiful. But we're looking at circumstances instead of saying, oh, God, I just pray that in the circumstances you're glorified. God, I'm praying that in the circumstances, that person that hurt me, I'll be able to forgive them by your grace and mercy. You see, our prayers are off. And this is what James says in chapter 4. Would you go back to chapter 4 just briefly? Look at verse 1. Chapter 4, verse 1, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your, your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. 
You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. And you ask and you do not receive it because you ask what? Wrongly. To spend it on what? Your own passion. It's not about your passion. It's about the glory of the Lord. In the midst of your suffering, James is saying to them, when you're carrying your burdens, we're going to put the burdens, we'll put baggage in that place for our series. And so you're carrying your baggage, and when you're trying to unpack your bags, you're saying to the Lord, Lord, I I just want you to be glorified in the midst of all of this. So I got in a car wreck. Somehow you allowed that to happen. You're sovereign over that. Now I walk with this thing, this, this pin in my leg, you know, it's embarrassing. I walk with a limp. My leg, my leg is just in pain a lot. God, I pray that you're glorified in this. I pray that you're magnified in this. See the difference in the prayer? You're not praying for circumstances to change. That's man-centered. You're praying for a God-centered thing to happen, like the glory of the Lord to fall on your situation. It's a hard prayer. Don't ask amiss. You got to bring your baggage to the Lord. Bring your baggage to the Lord. Somebody lift up one of your baggages, out nice and out loud, because we're vulnerable at Harvest Reading. What would it be? How about the back section? What do you got for a piece of baggage back there? Yeah, a little bit louder, because I can't hear. Oh, they didn't say anything? What is it? Resentment. I heard somebody say resentment. Resentment. God, I, I take my resentment to you. I pray that you would help me. Holy Spirit, that you would help me to just understand how you want me to react to this. The resentment's going in my heart. It's causing some bitterness. Lord, my, my heart is getting, getting astray from you. It's, it's wandering too much. My mind is racing. I can't sleep at night. I'm carrying this. It's too heavy for me. This is how you pray. God, I pray that you would glorify me by re- releasing me from the resentment. Does that make any sense? Take your baggage to the Lord in the midst of your suffering and your affliction. And pray that thing out. But don't pray so that you can consume it upon your own desires. It's not about your desires. Find out what the desires of the Lord are for that. Take the bag to him. This is what we do. Again, it sounds simplistic, but it's the anointing of the Lord. It's God getting involved into your situation. Here's number two. Number two is you praise. It's the second half of verse 13, if you'll look at it. We praise God or we worship the Lord. This is how we unpack bags. Pray number one, praise God. Worship him in song. Is anyone among you cheerful? Let him do what? Let him sing. Let him sing. Let him praise. Now listen, it's possible to have the joy in the junk. It's possible to keep holding on to the joy. It's, It's possible to keep praising the Lord as you're carrying the baggage, as you're trying to unpack the baggage. But you've got to understand that James is saying in the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the difficulty or the hardship, you keep praising the Lord. Now who's going to want to stop your mouth from praising the Lord when you're suffering? Who? The enemy. The enemy. And so what do you do? Do you stop praising the Lord because you're suffering and you're going through all this baggage claim and and you're feeling awkward and you're feeling like, I don't know if I can deal with this? What do you do? You sing. You keep singing. Because the enemy, the devil, is going to say, I want you to shut your mouth. Because when you praise the Lord, the anointing of God and the favor of God and the spirit of God starts to flow through you to be able to help you to unpack your bags. You got to sing. You got to worship. But our baggage, our baggage is blocking the worship. It's kind of like sticking your head in, in your bags, right? 
unstoppable God. Let your glory go on and on. This is what's happening. Your bags are preventing you from really worshiping the Lord. Some of you walked in here with insecurity, especially in the back. Picking on you a little bit. And you're like, I'm not going to sing out loud because they're going to think that it's horrible. <sighs> it's not about you. This is hard. When you're insecure, it's more about you than it is about the Lord. I'm going to get an email on that one. We've got to sing. We've got to praise him. We've got to lift up. When you're singing, you sing it loud. You sing it confidently. You might not have the best voice in all of the world, but it doesn't matter, right? is isn't like the father saying to you, you know what, Eric, your voice really is awful. How many of you would say you don't have a great voice? I don't have a great voice. Hallelujah. <laughs> Let me see those hands again. This is great confession. Weston, come up here, man. Come up here. Where's that microphone? Let me have that handheld. I need that handheld mic. Let's bring it up here. Now, before you say, oh, he's going to be mean to Weston, I know Weston. So if you're visiting with, for the first time, you're thinking, this is absolutely cruel, and I'm never coming back to Harvest Writing again. So if you're first and you're new, I wouldn't do this to you. Only Weston. And anybody else who sticks up their hand that I know very well. No, we're going to overcome some things right now. You want to do that? All right, so I want you to sing out in front of everybody. We're going to do it together. Ready? Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet. The sound. Feel a little self-conscious? Let's keep going. That saved a wretch like me. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I was, was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. That was awesome. Here's some holy water for you. Holy water. Now, it, was that a little awkward for you, Weston? <laughs> now, why the illustration? Because when you're sin standing there and singing and trying to sing and you start to get quiet, because if it's an insecurity, it's baggage. So for Weston to do that, now I helped him to do that, forced him even, right? That is, that's actually helping him. Because he knows that you're not rejecting him, right? So what are you afraid of rejection so much? We need to praise God. We're going to praise him at the end of the service. It needs to blow the roof off. If you're in the back there and you're super self-conscious because your voice sucks, then you know what? You need to sing it out anyway because it's not about you. I know this is hard. I know it's hard.
you want to unpack your bags? Let's do it. God does it through worship. He does it through praise. He does it through adoration. adoration. Number three, petition. Let's talk about petition in verses 14 and 15. Now, these are interesting verses. If you've been around the Christian church a while, you, you would maybe interpret these or have been taught to interpret these as physical healing. I think there's another angle to this. And so I want to look at it briefly with you. Look at verses 14 and 15. Verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? We see that. We, th- we think what? Physical sickness, right? Anybody with me on that? You've, you've ever read that and go, physical sickness? Right? I have too for a lot of years. Let him call for the elders. These are pastors. This is me. We'll talk a little bit more about elders and family chat following the service, what that looks like for Harvest Reading. But for right now, I am technically the elder, the pastor. It's the same word, elder, pastor, all the same, of the church. So petition the leadership of the church. You're going to the leader with your baggage, your burdens, and your suffering. You're praying to the Lord. You're praising God. Now, number three, you're going to the leadership. And what are you going to have them do? Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save or deliver the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, restore the person back. We'll see what that means. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Now, understand this. The whole theme of the book of James, the whole theme, the context is people in the dispersion, the suffering, the trials and the traumas, not physical disease. So if you're keeping the context, what is he talking about if you're sick? Let me give you some words. I'm going to go Greek on you a little bit here. So I'm going to give you some words for sick. Asthenio, A-S-T-H-E-N-E-O, to be weak. It means to be weak and feeble. There's another verse that we had read just a moment ago, verse 15 for sick. It's camno, and that means to be weary. So what is the interpretation here? Does that mean that if you go to the elders and they put oil on you and you got some kind of physical disease that you're going to be restored in the moment? I think that's a stretch. I think that's a stretch. I think what it's really talking about is if you're overwhelmed with your baggage, if you're overwhelmed with the burdens of your life, and you've lost faith, you've lost courage, you've lost the endurance, you can't seem to get back up on your feet spiritually, if you'll petition the elders and they come around you and they anoint you with oil, it can be real oil or not, it doesn't matter, it's not the oil, it's the Lord that does the healing. And so if you would petition your leaders in the midst of your baggage, then God's going to raise you up again. That's what it says. I really believe that's the interpretation. And so that's open to debate. I know that there's been others and our charismatic and Pentecostal brothers and sisters that would say, well, that's talking about physical healing. And if you put oil on somebody, they're going to be healed right on the spot. I just don't see it in the context. But we need to petition the pastors or the elders. Go to your leader Go to your leader. You know what's happening is that baggage is causing a separation between people and their leaders. This is what's happening. I've seen this in 30 years of ministry. How difficult and frustrating it is for me. I'm going to be real honest with you because I think that's important for you to hear my heart. How many people disengage and separate themselves from the pastoral leadership? And so people through the years have been carrying stuff, but they don't take it to the leaders. They don't talk about it. They don't, they don't mention it. And so what eventually happens is that uh, they drift out. They drift out. 
some of, some of those people are here at Harvest Reading. They're not here now. They've drifted out. And so I know what their baggage is. I've, I've gotten to know them. And so, and I've reached out to them, and you love them, and the elder wants the best for them and wants to pour love on them and lead them to Jesus and healing and unpacking their bags, but they disengage. So the baggage becomes a barrier between the person, the, the person in the congregation and their leader, and that is enemy attack. That is enemy attack. Because the person, the sheep and the shepherd, are supposed to be close, walking together. And any kind of division that happens between the pastor and the person that they're trying to love, lead, and feed, and guide is going to be from enemy attack. But it's hard. It's hard. I believe in being truthful. I believe in being straightforward, really explaining what's going on. Are you with me on that? So if I come to you and I say, man, what's really bothering you? What's really going on in your world? What are you going to say to me? What would you say? Would you tell me the truth? Would you say, yeah, my life really rots, and here's where it is specifically. It's right here. Or would you say, everything's fine? You know how many Christians I've, in 30 years, I know that they're struggling. I know they're disengaging. I know they're one foot out the door, yet I go to them. I say, what's going on? Are you okay? And they're like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's cool. It's, everything's good. Everything's good. Eric, come on up here. I got to do a little illustration with you. You're falling asleep, so I want to wake you up a little bit. I'm just kidding. No, he's not. Come on up here. You know what I call that when people aren't direct and honest? Come over next to me. Like this. We're, we're, yeah, we're doing the dance. We're doing the dance. This is what I call it in ministry. Don't do the dance with your pastor. You doing okay, Eric? Is, does life rot right now? Is it hard? Okay. Is something going on in your world that's really hard? Anything at all? Are you dancing? Oh, he's dancing with me. He's dancing with me. Oh, let's do a little dance. Come on. Thanks, man. Have a seat. Oop, have a seat. So this is happening all over the Christian church. So I was talking to people just recently. And so they, were, they knew. They knew that I was on to them. Not because we're controlling, but we love. And so I hope that this relationship continues to grow deeper. And so if you're not doing well and you're carrying some baggage, come to us. But don't, don't skirt around the issues and stay on the edge, and then eventually you're gone. And if I were to ask you how you're doing, and you would say, yeah, it's great, Pastor Chris, it's great, but I really know that it's not, what's that called again? What's up with this thing? Don't dance. We don't dance at Harvest Reading. I don't mean that legalistically. I know some are going to be like, oh, no, legalism. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking figuratively, relationally. I'm not a dancer, as you can tell. So if you want to write this down, this is going to be almost original. This is going to be good. I think that things I say are original, but they're really not. But I'm going to try with this one. So th this is my own quote. 
Because somebody can't be open, transparent, vulnerable, admit when they're really struggling with something, they do the dance, they come to the pastor, they glaze over, trying to act like everything's okay. Here's what usually happens, and here's the quote. They can't claim it, so they blame it. Did you like that? So it's all, it's the, it's the pastor, you know, he's going sideways. I'm not being fed anymore. Heard that through the years, not here. Fortunately, if I were to hear that, that, that crushes leaders. It's the people, they're just not friendly. The church used to be this, but it's not. Listen, listen, most of the time, 99.9% of the time, it's the people's baggage. It's not the church. They're blaming it instead of claiming it. That's 30 years of watching this thing go on and on and on. Petition. Number four, people. Number four, people. Verse 16. Notice it with your own eyes. It's important. James says, therefore, confess your what? What's it say? Your sins to one another. (laughs) There is no way. (laughs) I'm from Pennsylvania. We're reserved down here. We're personal and we're private. And it's my personality. Don't you know that? That I'm shy. The Bible says (laughs) we're, we're transgressing all of that kind of thing. And we're saying, you know what? It doesn't matter about all of that. You are meant to open up. You are meant to verbalize your battles and your struggles. God is calling you to confess to other people, the people of God, the battles and the baggage that you have. Why do I say things publicly? And I did it last week, and Dave Roach publicly said, control. And that was your own bag you're confessing, right? Do you know what happened to you in the supernatural when you did that? You took about four steps forward when you could have only taken one if you would have stayed quiet. But because you stepped out into that, now you're growing faster. You confessed it. There's something in that. But if you stay guarded and and you're just trying to protect yourself, you know, and you built this little shelter around yourself, you're going to malfunction. James says you got to confess your sins to one another. Now, what kind of people do you do this to? Not just anybody. Because there's some people out there you do not want to confess your sins to. you got to make sure that they're a righteous person. That's what it says, the prayer of a righteous person. That's a person who wants to live for Jesus, loves Jesus, not perfect, but they really want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They're humble. They really have love for another person. They're not out to judge people and be the police you know, the Christian church police. But if you can get to the place of having those people in your world, I I pray that it's more and more people here at Harvest Reading, that we embrace one another and that we're just loving on each other and that we're opening up to one another. We're seeing it more and more in harvest groups. It happens more in harvest groups. I take a risk when I try to do it this many people and we're seeing some cool fruit here, but it really takes off in harvest groups or harvest university groups where you can get to that place of saying, you know, I'm battling something. I, I really struggle with with this or with that? Can you pray for me? Because we need the people of God. We need to be in community with one another. 
what often happens is that baggage blocks our relationship, not just with the pastor, but with other people. So think about, how about little Ava last week, huh? Didn't Ava do awesome? So think about our baggage, right? And so, everybody's looking the other way. They don't want me, they're like, oh man, I just hate when he does this. It's a different perspective. So, this is what's happening to a lot of people, baggage, and so there's no connection, no connection, right? Let me go back here. Hey, what's going on in your back? You came last week. That would not be good because you're the mom, right? Mom, daughter. We're going to remove baggage. So there's not going to be baggage between you because you guys got to get along, love each other, have relationships. See how this is going to be a problem in the church. This is the last time I'm coming to Harvest Reading. I am not coming back. <laughs> Does this make any sense? going to be in between us we bring our baggage to church everywhere we go we have baggage and we bring it to the church of god you guys get along pretty good not too bad think about that baggage blocks everything one more and then we'll be done you need the people of God. You got to confess your sins one to another. I get more exercise when I come to a church service at Harvest Rain than any other time of the week. Number one, or f- number five, persistence. Verses 17 to 18, this is Elijah the prophet. Of course, Elijah's battling one of the worst people in human history. Do you remember who that queen was? Yeah, Queen Jezebel and her loser husband. What was his name? Ahab, and so uh, he's battling, Elijah's battling against Queen Jezebel, and he had a hard life. He's a prophet of God raised up to do amazing things, but he had an incredible prayer life, and we see it illustrated here. Now, why would James put down Elijah as a person that's righteous, loving God as best that he could? He's not a perfect guy by any means, but he's a man. He's not a superhero. He's not Thor. He's not Superman. He's not Spider-Man. He's just a man. He's got a nature like ours, James says. Now, why is James writing like that? Because he wants the readers that James is writing to, his readers, and us to realize that, you know what, if he had a prayer life like that, then we can have a prayer life like that. We can have the power of God in our prayers. I think the reason why we're not seeing the power of God as much is because of what? Some baggage. Some baggage. So Elijah is a great man, and he's illustrated here about praying for rain, and it didn't rain, then he prayed again. And there's a lot of persistence in the life of Elijah. There's a lot going on in his world. It's a great study. He's a great man. I love the battles that he, he, was, he was fighting against this wicked queen and, and how he was just super vulnerable. Wasn't Elijah, who was the one that, wasn't he underneath the tree? He just all depressed, and he's like, oh, I'm going to die. I just want to die. Wasn't that Elijah? Elisha or Elijah, one of those guys. And so... I think everybody has been in that place. I know I have at times where I just didn't feel like persevering anymore. I didn't feel like pressing on. I didn't feel like going. And sometimes when you're trying to unpack your bags, you're going to feel like giving up. 
you're going to feel like, I, I can't do this anymore. And my encouragement to you is just keep going. Keep going. You're going to find yourself traveling lighter. You might have traveled with something this big, right? But it's all of a sudden, it's gonna, you're going to find that it's getting a lot lighter and a lot smaller. And it's like, wow, wow, this is so much better. So when you saw the, the Magnum P.I., can we throw that back up there real quick again, the Magnum P.I. and the Farrah Fawcett wannabes? <laughs> so when you're looking at the smiley faces there, now we're just new believers at the time, but here's what God called us to do. And I remember asking the Lord. I remember I was a new Christian at that time at Liberty University, and I looked in a mirror, and I had this real weird experience. And I looked in, and I didn't know who the person was. This is, this is being transparent. So I looked in the mirror, and I was having this meltdown. And I'm, I'm staring at myself. I'm like, I felt like I was losing my mind. And then I turned to the Lord, the Lord who just saved me not long before that. I said, God, I want to know who I am. Obviously, I want to know him. That's a given, vertical. But I also want to know me. Would you please show me? And then that began the journey. And so it wasn't long probably about this time, wasn't it, hon, that you said to me, um, yeah, your parents' divorce affected you. Do you know what my response was when she said that? She's counseling me. She's firing it out, man. That's Lisa. Yeah, the divorce affected you. <laughs> what was my response? No, it didn't. And she said, yes, it did. And I said, no, it didn't. What was I doing? Boom. <laughs> Stiff arm. You're, you're sti yeah, the Heisman, right? Yeah, right? Come on. We're doing the stiff arm. And some of you are still stiff arming back. You're, you're afraid. It's too hard. Can't get into it. Too much loss, too much pain, too much pink slip, too much. You're, you're stiff arming. And as long as you stiff arm, you're not going to be able to unpack the bags and you're not going to grow properly. By God's grace, that day, I don't know if it was that day that when Lisa gave me that strong word, but I started to unpack some of those bags. And I'm so thankful that she was that direct with me. Might not know it by that, that picture there. Here's what we're going to do. It's time to start unpacking. I have six couples. They're going to be two couples on both sides. of This, this is going to take courage for you to do this because everybody in here has baggage. Would you agree with that? How many people have discovered at least one piece in this three-week series? Raise your hand. At least one piece of baggage. Lift it up there like you're like, you know what? I'm tired of this. I'm going to unpack it. And so we're going to have prayer stations. And I'm going to encourage you during this song. We're going to do two songs, a slow one. During that slow song, slip out of your chair. This is called a traditional altar call, I guess you would call it. We're not going to have people come to the front because, as you can see, I knocked everything over here and there's no room. So we're going to have these stations. We're going to have two couples over here, Andy and Nydia have uh, are willing to pray over you and pray for you. And the Jenisons and the Marks, they're going to be spread all the way around there. And then over here, we have some others, Adam and Emily. And, and so uh, all over the auditorium, I want you to get out of your chair because you want prayer for your baggage. Oh, Ben and Amanda in the back top there. Uh, and so it's going to take some courage, as Dave Roach did when he called out, Control. And so we're going to start with a song. It's called Shelter, isn't it? It's a great song. And so if you decide to make a step out, it has to be Holy Spirit-led, and you know the Holy Spirit's prompting you, but you're terrified, kind of like Weston was when he got out of his chair to come up here and sing. Step out of the chair.
find one of these people. You might not know them very well, but it doesn't matter. They're your brothers and sisters. You're turning to the people of God for prayer. You're turning to the ones that can help you. And even praying with them, I, I promise you're going to sense some release, some freedom, a little bit lighter. And then after shelter, as you're praying with these people, go back into your chair, and we're going to end this service with a triumphant song of praise and victory. Can we all stand to our feet? As the song goes, slip out of your chair. Find someone to pray with. Let them know your name if you don't know who they are. Just give them a first name. And maybe just a general, you know what, this is the piece of baggage. Somebody said resentment, not sure who you were back there. Uh, it was a great answer. Um, I'm sorry that that might be the baggage, but you know what, today, that resentment can be dealt with. And so if you might want to say, you know what, I'm struggling with this. It's resentment or it's control or it's insecurity or it's a low self-image or, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with being a people pleaser or trust issues, whatever it may be. During this song, step out of your chair and find some people that pray with you because they love you. Where's your hands? Where's all my prayer people? Lift up your hands. There they are. They truly care about you. They do. Let's do that. Slip out of your chairs. Have some prayer. They're going to pray over you and for you. And then when you're done, go back into your chair. We're just going to keep worshiping with a great song called Living Hope. Let's do that.